0: The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, episode 23.
1: I'm Amber Furman, and you should listen to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai if you want to learn from the minds and mistakes of entrepreneurs and business leaders with my good friend, Dr. Yishai.
0: Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business. So that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, the Business Couch with Dr. Yushai presents three new episodes each week. On Insight Sunday, we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch. you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes of business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. In today's episode, Amber shares hard-earned lessons from getting rid of your rear-view mirror to making improvements and all the mess that personal and business growth entail. She uncovers a powerful secret about how we see the world and how you can harness it, despite the discomfort, to find and create growth in areas of yourself and your business that would otherwise be completely inaccessible. Amber also reveals one painful misconception that creates huge problems for both novice and seasoned entrepreneurs and business leaders alike, plus how to shift the balance in your favor to continue growing yourself and your business. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching. If you lead a six or seven plus figure business and experience a drag or dip in your growth, if you notice diminishing engagement or passion in your business, if you want to eliminate exhaustion and burnout in yourself or your teams, if you sense that you or your company would grow faster and stronger, if you could just pivot efficiently and effectively when circumstances change like they have so much in 2020, then you've got an adaptability problem. Adaptability coaching will give you and your business the psychology and neuroscience backed tools to understand and leverage core adaptability skills through the unique 3D adaptation framework. You can learn to harness and leverage core adaptability skills to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to turn tough circumstances, reactions, and exhaustion into energy, excitement, and excellence for you and your company. To learn more, go to drishai.com slash coaching. Join me in welcoming Amber Furman, founder of Furman Law and Success Development Solutions, as well as the More Than Corporate podcast and community. Welcome back, Amber.
1: Thank you for having me again.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. For those of you who don't know, Amber is a, and I said it on Insight Sunday, so I'll say it again, a blunt firecracker of an entrepreneur. And if you haven't yet, go back and listen to so much of her bio, her story, because it's really not to be missed. And to kind of put it in a nutshell, Amber has been exploring and understanding and has so much education, certifications, and so much experience, rich experience from which she had wisdom and shared with us on Insight Sunday about how to be in touch with and not lie to ourselves, how to be in touch with the signs that the world and the universe are showing us and what the consequences are that we can get hit in the head by a two by four if we really ignore those things. And how important it therefore is to really be able to face the tough journey. And it's an ongoing journey of really being able to look in the face of the challenging truths and push through the fear. So if you haven't yet, go back and listen to Insight Sunday and then come back here. So thanks again for grabbing a seat with me on the business couch, Amber.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I really enjoyed our previous conversation.
0: Yeah. And on Story Tuesday, we dive deeper into your hard-earned lessons so that we can all learn from them. So I wanted to start with some of your most memorable lessons. I mean, you already shared... A bunch of them. And so, if there's another one that comes to mind, something that was a big learning experience, can you bring us into that moment, what happened before, after, and a key takeaway?
1: Yeah. So, I'm actually, you know, I talked about running a 24 hour obstacle course race, but I didn't really dig into what that really entailed for me. And that is still, you know, I'm a practicing attorney. I made it through law school. I passed the bar. I have my NLP certifications. This 24 hour obstacle course is still the hardest thing I've ever put myself through personally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And there are so many times throughout training for that that I wanted to quit, but there are a couple of times that really speak out to me. And I created this motto about halfway through the season in Texas. So Texas was my first day that I was planning on running two laps of the obstacle course race. So it would have been a 20-mile Saturday. And then I ran another one on Sunday. So a 30-mile weekend with 25 obstacles per 10 miles. And... I remember wanting to quit so many times and telling myself I only walk one way. And that then led into telling my mom, who was my pit crew for World's Toughest Mudder, that all she had to do was get me to the start line at the end of every lap. It's a five-mile loop because once you get me to that start line, like I'm not turning around. And it's really been the way that I've lived my life is... You get me to the start line and I take that first step and I commit to something, I'm finishing it. I might want to quit through the middle of it. There might be times that, you know, I wonder whether I'm capable of doing it. And then I rely on the resources around me to tell me that I am, but turning around is not an option. And that's life, right? Like you can't go back. So turning around is not an option. And that really has become one of my biggest lessons.
0: Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And so, I'm curious how and when and in what way you really learned that turning around and quitting isn't an option because it sounds like it's such an important lesson.
1: Yeah, it was It was in Texas in 2017 in May. And mm-hmm. I was in the middle of my second lap of Tough Mudder. And so for anybody who hasn't run a Tough Mudder, it's a 10 mile loop. There's 25 obstacles on that, but there's also a Tough Mudder half. And so, you know, at some point, on the course, there's a sign that says if you're running the Tough Mudder Half Code this way. So when I ran, this was my first two-lap day and I told myself, you know, just get yourself to the start line, right? Just get yourself to the start line for that second lap and move forward. But I hadn't prepared myself for that halfway part where I could quit. And so I hurt, I was 15 miles in, it was painful. I didn't want to go anymore. This was the farthest I had pushed my body. And I see that you know, for the five mile half turn here. And I physically started running because my brain wanted to go that way so badly. And I knew that if I got past it, I wasn't turning around. So I needed to get past it and I needed to go faster than my brain could think. And so I actually started running. I don't know how it hurt like crazy, but I started running. I made it about a hundred yards past that. And then I started walking again And then about three miles into the second half of that, so I'm about two miles from finishing my 20-mile day, I was like, I'm done. And I just sat down and I was like, medical will come by eventually and pick me up in their little golf cart and take me back because I don't have another step in me. And I'll never forget sitting underneath the trees alone in Texas. I mentioned in the prior conversation that my dad passed away when I was 17 and I don't know what your guys' religious beliefs are. Sometimes I don't even know what my religious beliefs are, but I will forever believe that my dad was with me that day because I heard his voice as clear as possible telling me that he was proud of me. And I broke down and I started bawling and I got up and I finished and I collapsed when I crossed the finish line. But that moment was the last time I ever ran one lap of an obstacle course. Because after that I knew it was possible. It sucks at heart. Sometimes I wonder why I put my body through it, but it's possible. And once you know it's possible, then you can do it. So that's where that motto came in for me.
0: Yeah. Wow. There's something so important. And the the language, the word that comes to mind is there is no rear view mirror when you're going forward. And there's a time to look in the rear view mirror, but it's not while you're in drive. Right. No, it's, it's when you're in not reverse. while you're
1: in the suck, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything you wish you had done differently from the start or early on?
1: The biggest thing, and this is something that just comes from learning, right? So looking back, yes, there are things that I wish I would have done differently. I wish I would have been more Concerned about creating processes for my law firm. I wish that for my podcast and my coaching business, I would have been more concerned about creating content out of my podcast interviews. So now, you know, I'm in a position where I'm going back creating those processes now. And for my podcast, I'm going back creating the content and reviewing all of my podcast episodes, and it's taking extra time that it wouldn't have taken before. At the same time, those are things that you just don't know until you get in and figure out what works for you. So, you know, I think we all at every part are like, man, I really wish I would have done this like a year ago. But overall, you know, you do the best that you can with the tools and experience that you have at the time and, you know, you move on and adjust. But I would say like, I underestimated the power of processes and procedures and like actually putting in writing so somebody else could take over a certain part of your job because you think you don't need it, right? You're a small operation. I don't need this right now. It's a waste of time. Until you do need it and you feel so busy that you can't train anybody how to do what you need them to do. So that's probably the biggest thing if we're looking for a piece of advice for new business owners.
0: Yeah. So what I'm hearing is for you, there are all these little and sometimes big ways of saving time, whether that's creating processes or writing things out so you could hand over work or kind of double dipping and creating content from your podcast episodes that had you done them earlier or had you been you know, more aware of and getting on them if you were aware from the beginning and doing that, that at this point you'd be in a different place or you'd be kind of further along in some of those areas. And the other side of it that I'm hearing is also just acceptance that, for you and for any of us who are on our own entrepreneurial and business leadership journeys that we are where we are and it's okay to accept where we are and of course you know 6 months down the road if we're really growing if we're pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone we're going to look back and say goodness i'm not the same person that i used to be and i wish that i knew or had i known some of these things if i had the experience and learning now from what i didn't know and wasn't doing before then i would have already been further ahead And the other side of that is, well, duh, that's what learning is. That's like the very definition (laughs) of learning.
1: Yeah, for sure. And also, especially in relation to my podcast and even in relation to my policies and procedures, I would have created them differently. Six months ago, you know, listening mm. to my podcast, I would have pulled out different content. Different things would have been important to me. You know, I go back and listen to my podcast episodes often because I get something different from them every time that I do because I am in a different spot in my life, and now something else that they said resonates with me in a way that it didn't before,
0: yeah, it's such a point, and it reminds me I forget which philosopher, Aristotle or Descartes or something. We don't see the world as it is, we see the world as we are.
1: As we are 100%. And that's so important. So I didn't get into this a lot when we talked previously and I'll only touch on it now for, you know, the other party's privacy concerns. But, you know, I've had a really 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 rough relationship with my mom throughout my life. And when that started to change for the better was after I got my NLP certification. I mean, it had started to change in law school, but when it really clicked was after I started learning NLP and I learned exactly that. When my mom says something that I take as offensive I'm not necessarily hearing what she said. I'm hearing what I think she says. And she's not necessarily saying anything about me. She's saying something about herself, about how she sees the world. And once you realize that those statements aren't about you, and this goes to any relationship at all, any coworker that's ever offended you, any relationship, relationships are huge. Like once you realize that the other person in that relationship isn't attacking you, they're attacking themselves and the things that they don't like about what they see and the way that they see the world, then all of a sudden, all the pressure to be what that person expects you to be goes out the window and you can just be yourself. And so that is such a powerful statement for me. We see the world as we are because the world includes the people around us. And so when somebody says. You know, I did an interview with Steve Sims on a podcast and he says, when somebody looks at you and says you failed, what they're really saying is that if I was in your shoes, I would have felt like I failed. Mm. Nothing about you, whatever somebody says has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them.
0: Yeah, it reminds me, there's something I've really come to recognize and I've really developed for myself over the course of really learning and becoming a psychologist is that anytime anyone... That's a bit of an overgeneralization. But when people judge, label, criticize, characterize, or blame any one of those five things, what is happening is they're having their own thought or their own reaction. And what they're doing is instead of holding it for themselves, instead of asking and thinking and looking into themselves and saying, what is this telling me about a want or a need that I have, a goal or a dream, and where it's it's happening or what is or isn't happening, instead of that what they're doing is they're taking it and placing it on the other person. And then when they place it on that other person, what they're really doing is they're also disempowering themselves. 100%. Yeah, do you want to speak to that a little?
1: Yeah. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but this is something I talk about so much and it's so important. Like, So there's two things. When people ask me, what's the first step that entrepreneurs can take to better their life or people can take to better their life? My answer is always start taking 100% responsibility for everything in your life. The good, the bad, the ugly, Like, just take 100% responsibility for where you're at. And the example that I like to use, because it is so drastic and people can relate to it, is it's not my fault that my dad passed away. It's not my fault that he's gone. But how I deal with that is my responsibility. I could either be the victim, that I sit there and cry about being the person whose dad is no longer here and I had to grow up in my formative adult years without him, or I can own the parts of that and honor him and control what I can about my life and how I respond. So- That's the first thing. The second thing, and this, guys, I'm not even going to lie to you, this sucks. When you're- Embrace
0: the stuck. Embrace Embrace the the suck. suck.
1: When you're like in that fit that we all get in because we're human beings and you're like ranting about somebody and how much they pissed you off, whether it's the guy that's driving down the street next to you or like a coworker and you just can't, like you're on the phone with your friend and you just can't quit talking about how awful this person is stopping taking a deep breath and asking yourself what about this is about me what about this is about me why am i so upset about this because 9 times out of 10 it's probably going to be because you've done the same thing and you were feel guilty about it you know you cut somebody off oh my gosh like i can't believe that guy cut me off how many times has that happened why Does that upset you? And then even like, you know, I talked a little bit about sales previously in the other conversation that we had, but even something like that, like you see somebody out there that's being super successful and you're like nitpicking on that. What about that is about you? What part of your dreams are you not following? What this person is doing offends you so much because I guarantee you it has something to do with you. And that's, you know, that speaks so much to what you just mentioned, but if you can boil it down into one like exercise that people can take, it's what about this is about me. And it's awful. Like nothing easy ever comes out of that sentence, but Mm. it's so powerful.
0: You know, it's so interesting you say it that way. And it can be so hard to take responsibility and take ownership and to kind of, I mean, part of what happens, part of the reason that people sometimes don't hold on to what their reaction is. They're placing it on someone else as a criticism or a judgment or blame is because it's so uncomfortable. It's really difficult to hold that. And so one of the ways we try to relieve ourselves of what can feel very much like a burden can be really difficult, really painful, extremely uncomfortable. I don't ever call it less than miserable. And there's a reason for that, right? One of the ways we try to relieve ourselves of it is to put it elsewhere, to get it away from us. And there are huge consequences for that though. The consequences are that we are not empowered to do something about it. If somebody else cut me off and they're a jerk, well then what in the world can change? Not me, right? Only the jerk can change. And what that does is when someone makes a habit of this, when they're doing it regularly, it puts us in this position where we don't have a lot of control and there we perceive ourselves as not being able to really do anything and the world now just does things and bombards and, and throws things at us two by four, right? And then the question, and I think it comes back to, and if you haven't, go back to Insight Sunday and listen to this again, because we're making reference to it and it's a really important point, that the world will show us many different signs, that we will get those moments of experience and when we put it in a box, when we tap out of it, when we don't pay attention or we ignore it, what happens is it will hit us harder in some moment. Maybe it'll be that moment where we feel so powerless that we're on the floor crying, that we've hit our own rock bottom and we don't know how to get out of it. And we don't feel like we can reach out or we don't have anyone. As again, Amber, that you said on Sunday, the last conversation we had, that when we don't have someone that we can sit with and who will sit with us there and support us and also you know, say, look, you're pointing a finger And there's one finger pointing outwards and there are three fingers pointing back at you. So let's spend three times as much talking about thinking and talking about what's going on for you and how and what you can do about it. Well, then you're going to continue to feel powerless.
1: Yeah, 100%. My coach always says, and I love this so much, choice is a powerful thing. Suffering is always optional. And it sucks. Like It really does suck. But the question of whether that suck becomes this like powerful blooming moment for you or whether it becomes this suffering, like angry, why is my life like this moment? Depends on you. You're the only one that can
0: control it. Yeah. And so I'm going to share with you guys a little bit of a super secret ninja technique that I developed and and use. And I want to be really clear that this is not therapy, even though I've developed (laughs) it and, and I use it sometimes in the therapy room. But something you can ask yourself is, what is my feeling trying to do for me? What is my reaction trying to do for me? Which again, many people, and I think part of the reason it sucks is our relationship with what we feel with our reaction is that it's here and it's miserable. So it's the problem and I need to get rid of it. So we turn against and we just assume that whatever that is, it's not helpful and it's not trying to be helpful. And when you flip that around, you say, well, what is it trying to do for me? Well, It might be poking me in the back and telling me, well, if you don't get out of the way, there's this giant rock that's falling and you look up and move and you only need to move like two feet over, maybe five feet if you want to be safe, maybe like 10 or 15 feet if you're like really anxious, right? Probably more, You make sure you're (laughs) safe, right? But that's its job, right? And if it didn't poke you in the back, then would you do anything? Would you say anything or would you move? Right? Would you do something about it if it didn't poke you in the back? Now, most of us would like to believe that we would. But here's the thing your brain has a system that's designed to pull your attention to something that isn't going to be easy or comfortable and get you to try to move, get you to try to avoid it or protect yourself or get your needs met. And the way it does that often, it's not the only way, but the way it does that sometimes is that discomfort, that misery, that pain. And it doesn't have to be suffering. Suffering is sitting in it. Suffering is actually not responding or doing the thing, not being aware of what it's trying to do. And then seeing it as though the world is just throwing this at me instead of asking myself, and again, this is the turnaround, asking myself, what is it trying to do for me? How is it trying to protect or take care of me? And that's a different approach to it. it still sucks though.
1: Yeah, no, it does for sure. But you know, if it doesn't suck, it's not worth it. Right. Like comfort zones, you know, we could say all the cliche things in the world about comfort zones and the reality is that are all true. You know, nothing good ever comes from it. And in order to get out of it, you have to embrace that suck.
0: Yeah. And it's not an easy thing to do, which is why we've been dwelling on it for such a long time, right? <laughs> I think sometimes we really, and there, there's a, a part of this that's kind of just like drilling it into our skulls, right? It's just like the repetition, the consistency, and sometimes it's just about repeating it over and over and over again. You know, it's one of the ways that we learn things, not the only way, but it's certainly one of the ways that we learn things. And it's an important reminder. For so sure. yeah. So on that note, have you had a situation arise where it really required a big pivot or adaptation or change when it comes to your business. I Can we mean, just COVID- go with
1: all of 2020, right. like the whole year?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, COVID I mean, and 2020 have been a, have been rough for so many businesses and so many people. So that's definitely one of them. Yeah, ones. so many.
1: I'm actually going to go further back though and talk about my decision to open my coaching business and my NLP certification because... And this is a lot of what I work with with my clients as well. So much of my identity was tied up to being an attorney. So much of who I was depended on people seeing me as an attorney with my law firm. And the idea... That I would have interests outside of that, that I would have a desire to do something else was completely blasphemous to me. Like I felt like I was alienating myself by choosing to do something else. And I really had to work through that. And I feel like, you know, this is an extreme example, but it's not really as an extreme as you would think, because every single day there are people in jobs that they don't want to be in and they feel like they've worked so hard to get there or what will people think of me if i'm not doing this who will i be if i'm not the stay at home mom if i'm not the doctor if i'm not you know the pharmacist who am i because we spend so much time in our lives becoming those things that the idea of being something different the same thing applies to business where We create these businesses. Our businesses are going in a certain direction. There's a change that we want to make in them. What is my business? What's my business's identity? What's my identity as a business owner if I change the direction of my business? Can I do this? You know, so much of it is an identity crisis. And, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but the only way through an identity crisis is through that uncomfortableness.
0: So some points are worth belaboring. And you know, to kind of come back to it from earlier, right? Repetition is one way in which we really get into it. And so what I'm hearing here is that sometimes when there is a huge change, pivoting and adapting to it can entail something that feels like needing to change my own identity or the identity of my business. And that can be such a hard, it can be so much harder to pivot when my identity is tied into this part of my business or how my business works or what my business does then if it's just a change that will you know using another strategy will get me you know more leads or more revenue or open up more time
1: yeah for sure and one of the really powerful things to focus on and it's really impossible to do this by yourself because it requires Digging so far into your unconscious mind. But one of the ways to do this is to realize why you're in the business that you're in right now. Like, what's the purpose? Why are you there? And realizing, like nine times out of 10, you will realize, because if you've ever had anybody out there that says, you know, part of me wants to do this and the other part of me wants to do this, you know, every business owner that wants to make a shift has had that conversation. When you really dig down deep to those parts, away from the surface level, what it looks like, to the actual purpose of those decisions, most of the time they're the same. And you realize that the identity, Like that, deep down, that identity is the same, that you don't have to change who you are because that's the reason you got into this. And for me, you know, there's so many corresponding layers to being an attorney and being a coach that I had never recognized. And coaching, I mean, I've been coaching my clients since I became an attorney on, you know, how to appear in court, how to, you know, I wish I could coach them how to quit breaking the law, but then I wouldn't have a job. So, um, (laughs) you know, how to testify, what story are we trying to get across? And then shifting that from the legal field into the business field, it's the same thing. And that was really one of the things that I needed to understand. And, you know, this process in the NLP world is called conscious-unconscious integration, where at some point in time, your unconscious mind has created parts. Parts of you wants to do one thing, parts of you has to do another. But at the deepest- Part of that, they're the same idea and they're the same purpose and they're the same person. And so it's just recombining that so that you can understand that you are going in the same direction. I heard somebody say it and I'm so sorry to whoever it was because I can't quote you because I can't remember who said it. But somebody said, Be more in love with the purpose than the product, be more in love with the reason than what you're actually doing. Because if you're in love with the purpose, then those shifts become natural. Hmm.
0: Yeah. It reminds me so much of Simon Sinek talking about finding your why. And your there's so why.
1: Much- yes. Yeah. So and- much. And can I just say that if you guys have not watched his TED Talk, like, can you put the TED Talk in the show notes? Will you do that for me? Will <laughs> the you put his circle? TED Talk in the show notes? Yeah. The golden circle, the power of why. That is one of the best TED Talks on the planet.
0: Yeah, I'll make a note of it. And for those of you who haven't seen it, and if somehow it doesn't make it into the show notes, Google Simon Sinek golden circle, and it'll pop up. The YouTube video will be one of the first things that pops up. I know because I did it probably like, well, the first time was not too long ago, which is, you know, I'm judging myself a little <laughs> Yeah, so powerful. So, so powerful. And of course, he wrote a book and he's actually right now over the last few months, one of the things he's done is he's pivoted his business and he's doing a lot more live classes and he's doing read-throughs and some of what he's been doing is actually really around this book, which I think is so powerful.
1: Yeah, so much. I can't say enough about that TED Talk. So yeah, go do yourself a favor and listen to that.
0: Yeah. So... Thank you. And thank you so much for sharing that. And of course, there's been so much to adapt to, and it can be such a challenge to really make those shifts. And what you pointed out, which I think is so powerful, is that when, and there usually are, parts of our identity that are connected to parts of our business, there's a why, there's a reason that we started this business, there's a reason that you got into the position that you got into. And so when you start to look at making shifts, when the circumstances require adapting, sometimes it's going to tug at or pull or feel like it might spin your whole identity completely out of balance and that doesn't mean that it does or will or has to and sometimes the real process is about digging and we're going to come right back to it embracing the suck that's going to be that's going to come with really delving into it not just ignoring or putting everything in a box and you know putting some stickers on that box and hoping someone else will pick that up but rather turning towards that, plucking up the courage to face that. And when you do what you'll find are new possibilities.
1: Yeah, 100%. That was so beautifully said.
0: Please, your language. This is, like <laughs> your, this is what you're talking about. This is not my thoughts or your thoughts. I'm just trying to summarize that. Yeah. So if it's okay with you, I wanted to jump into another couch round.
1: Yes, let's do that.
0: Awesome. So what's one thing you know now that you wish you knew when you were getting started?
1: Oh, my favorite question. Seriously, this is my favorite question to answer. And the answer is that nobody knows what the hell they're doing. So when you sit there and say, I can't do this because I don't know what I'm doing, just know that everybody around you that's doing it doesn't know what they're doing either.
0: Wow, that's really awesome. I think sometimes we tend to assume and it's such a part of living in a social media world. And it's not just that, I think it's a bit of a cliche, but that people show the best parts of themselves. They show the, the problems that they've solved and and then they show you their solutions. And what they don't show, what most people don't show is the problems they haven't solved, the things that are really tough, the things that are really challenging. And I really appreciate you bringing that up to the forefront, Amber, because it is such an important piece of it that nobody knows everything. And so what that means is everyone's encountered challenges and all they're doing is their best to solve those challenges. There is no master of everything. No one was born with it. And if they have it, guess what? They had to walk straight through the suck to get to the other side of it.
1: Yeah. I heard somebody say once, and I've been in love with this analogy ever since, that an entrepreneur is the person that jumps out of the plane and then builds the parachute on the way down. Mm. Like having that preparation just doesn't exist. And you can sit there and plan until you know what you're doing. But as soon as you know what you're doing, or you think you know what you're doing from all the research that you did, then either the landscape has changed and you have to relearn or you're going to find out that doing something and learning something are two very different things and you still don't know what you're doing even though you read it somewhere. So the reality is... and. You know, I'm saying this as much for myself as anybody else because we all need it. Like, sometimes you just have to fall on your face a few times. Like, sometimes you just have to dig in there and give it your best shot and then pick yourself up. I love Brene Brown's talk where she talks about having that person in the arena with you that will pick you up and say, Man, that was awful. But you gave it your best shot. Let's dust you off because you're going to go back in there and do it again. And that's what it takes. And everybody goes through it. Everybody.
0: Yeah. Wow. So powerful. Thank you. Next question. What is the difference between a mistake and failure?
1: Failure to me is when you completely give up. Failure to me is when you don't keep trying, right? I don't believe... That failure exists. There's no failure, only feedback, right? We've all heard that. You learn something from it. You take lessons from it and you do it a little bit better the next time. And then you might not be successful. And then you do it again and you get a little bit closer. Each one of those has mistakes in them. You learn from those mistakes. But the moment that you stop trying, the moment that you walk away is the only time that you have ever failed.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Preach. (laughs)
1: I know, right? I feel like I'm on a soapbox right now, but that's okay. It's a good soapbox to be on.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) Next question, which I think is really tied in, is can you name someone that when you make a mistake, you can go to them and they'll respond by saying, okay, let's deal with it now and learn from it for later. Basically what you're saying, that they'll kind of pick you up, dust you off, and then kind of figure out what to do, how to move forward.
1: So I have, it depends on the area of life. I have six people that come to mind and three of them are universal. One is my coach. Two of them are people that I've gone through NLP training with. They're both on speed dial. We talk often. And then there's my obstacle course training coach who has become such a big part of my life, my personal trainer, and my fitness coach. And all three of those. So My obstacle course training coach has become a really good friend of mine and he is a universal support to me at this point in time. My nutritionist and my personal trainer are still kind of in their field. And so I'm a true believer that, I mean, I'm a coach. It would be pretty hypocritical of me if I didn't have coaches of my own own. And I have several. I am a true believer that any area of your life that you want to excel in, you need somebody that's in that area of life to help you. So I have had multiple different coaches in my life. Right now, I have four that I am actively working with. And so outside of those are my two really good friends that are on speed dial that we roundtable a
0: lot with. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. I think it's so helpful for people to hear and see and know that we don't go it alone. We don't do it alone. And when we try, there's a lot more falling involved and there's a lot less someone helping us get up and figure out how to get back in there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like my coach knows my cycle of hibernation. I have a hibernation cycle. I've pushed myself a little too far out of my comfort zone. Let's sleep for a little bit. And she knows it. And so she'll message me and be like, hey, I haven't heard from you for a little bit. And so she has a homework that I've been doing with her for a year. And it is sending her like a detail of everything I did that day. And it has nothing to do with actually what I did that day. It has a little bit to do with that. But the majority of it is so that she can see when I'm entering that hibernation period and make sure that she pulls me out of it before I spend too much time hiding from the world. Mm. And so it's people like that that know you well enough to prevent your self-sabotage techniques before they start that are crucial to your success.
0: Yeah. Wow. And speaking of you know, really having people who help you learn and who help you get insight into yourself and to really make those adjustments, those shifts, those changes. Who's one person that you've really learned from their mistakes instead of making your own?
1: Oh my gosh. So, I mean, there's obviously like people in the podcasting world that you connect with and you say, hey, you know, what did you learn that I can take advice from. But the thing is, this is why I'm struggling so much with this question is because I may learn from their mistakes so that I don't make that same mistake, but I'm just going to make different ones. Right? Mm -hmm. So there's no avoiding that mistake. Like you can kind of skip forward a little bit. Like the reality is anything that you want to learn about anything is on Google right? So if you really have the time to go out there and piece it all together for yourself, then that's awesome. I don't. So I much rather hire somebody who can help me put together those pieces and help me skip forward in that learning curve so that I can start getting to making my own mistakes instead of making the mistakes that 1,500 other people before me have made and learned from. And, you know, but again, I want to emphasize that you don't get to avoid mistakes by doing that. You just get to make different ones.
0: Yeah, it's such a powerful point that there's so much to learn and there's so much that you can learn and learning from other people and their mistakes can really help prevent or avoid some of those mistakes, maybe not even all of them. Because sometimes, as you were saying earlier, sometimes we learn something, but when it comes to doing it, we end up still making that mistake ourselves. The other part of it is no matter how much you learn, and I, again, you said this before, you just fall on your face sometimes. That is life. By the way, that's how we learn to walk and run. <laughs> so you know, you're in good company. You're getting on a really good learning curve if you're falling on your face, as long as you're dusting yourself off and picking yourself up and continue to learn. And the point you're making, I think, which is so powerful is that Learning from others' mistakes is not a way to avoid your own. And so I think what I'm hearing a little bit in between the lines is if you think that learning from other people's mistakes is going to help you avoid your own, you got something else coming. There's a two by four waiting that's got your forehead on it.
1: Yes, 100%. 100%. And then for God's sake, please, when you get to the other side of that, be that for somebody else. Like be (laughs) that help to somebody else to help them not make that same mistake. Um, Because we all have things that we can teach people, right? Everybody's an expert to someone. There's always someone out there who knows less than you do that you can help along the way. And so just figuring out how you can provide value to people that you know are going through very similar things is so important.
0: Yeah. Pay it forward.
1: Yes. 100%.
0: Yeah. So what is more important from your perspective, working in your business or working on your business?
1: Working on your business. Working in your business is something that should be delegated as much as possible. Your administrative tasks, your things like that is something that you should not be doing. It's not the best use of your time. You should always be working on your business.
0: Yeah. And last question, what is one thing that's coming up for you or your business that you're working on or excited about?
1: Oh my gosh. Thank you for asking. I am super stoked for my new mastermind that launches October 1st. So. I launched one in July and it's going amazing, but I'm reformatting it a little bit. So it's going to be a 12-week mastermind. It's called the Define Your Life Mastermind. And it's designed to really help people get clear on what they want out of life because you cannot live your best life until you define it. So we have group calls and expert calls and Facebook Lives and just amazing opportunities to connect with like-minded people and really grow and figure out what your best life looks like. And then of course, because I'm me and I don't believe in living in a comfort zone, I'll be that person that gives you just a little shove out of it. Like If you're looking for that comfortable, warm, snuggly, like just come in and have a cup of coffee and chill, it's not for you. If you're looking to grow your life and really Really, just move up to the next level in your business, your personal life, your professional life, then it's an amazing place to start.
0: Mm, so, it's not a place for just feel goods?
1: No, I'm not good at feel goods. <laughs> I mean, Yishai's known me for a little bit. Most of you could probably tell that, like, nurturing isn't my strong suit. I'm really supportive. I'm not really nurturing. If you need that person to like hug you and tell you everything's going to be okay, I'm just not. I'm not your girl.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And the other side of that is if you're willing to embrace the suck, there's something on the other end of that.
1: 100%. 100%.
0: It's just not a rainbow.
1: No, (laughs) no. Have you ever tried to catch one? They don't exist. I mean, they exist, (laughs) but like they're not real. They're illusions.
0: (laughs) Or you could redefine them as light. And so if you're trying to hold something that's light, you're going to be sadly disappointed, or it's going to yes. be a real painful process figuring out or realizing that it is not tangible that you can hold in that way. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. And thank you again for opening up, for sharing your, both your successes and also your hard learned wisdom. There's so much to be learned and that I think you've really pointed out some really so important points. The importance of when you're moving forward to not just be looking in the rearview mirror and to give yourself that push when you come to a turning point and you know that there's a part of you that might be saying, maybe I should turn off, maybe I should call it quits. That's the moment to hit the gas. That's a moment to speed up forward when you have a goal, when you have a dream and you really want to accomplish that, that turning off is going to really get in the way of that experience of really making headway there. Also, we talked about, and you really shared, Amber, the importance of creating processes and of thinking about time savers and double dipping when it comes to your business and what you're formulating in your business. And at the same time, and this has shown up repeatedly, is accepting and recognizing that we are all humans. There's nobody out there who's an entrepreneur who was born knowing everything they're doing or has all the answers, whether or not they say that they do. and that what that means is we are all learning. We're all in the learning process, which means we're all going to face plant. And not just once, not just twice. That is part of the process. And if you're trying to avoid that by learning or just by Googling, that you're still going to be in for rude awakening when it comes to the entrepreneurship and leadership journey. Leadership does not look like that. Oh, it
1: really doesn't.
0: Yeah. And related to that, how important it is to take responsibility and ask yourself, what is it about me that's really affecting what's happening right now or that's reacting to what's going on right now? And to really be able to understand that and to do the hard work of digging and recognizing when your identity is tied up into something and how digging can help you really see and uncover and then have more options to open up those possibilities so that you can achieve more to define what success looks like for you and to be able to step into and fulfill that. So thank you for listening. I really hope that you gained so much out of today. And I would highly recommend that whether it's in a month or two months or six months, that you come back and listen to this episode again, because there is more there. There's more gold and you can dig in and, and learn and see more. And I think that you can gain so much out of that. And I hope you already gained so much just by listening today. Thank you again. And thank you, Amber, for being unapologetically yourself, for being... <laughs> yeah, of course. For being so direct and open, for... Allowing all of us to acknowledge how much we experience what you've shared for us to see in ourselves and see that in the world, it's not that there are all these answers, there isn't perfection waiting out there and that there's such a really powerful way that we can move forward. And it does involve, I'll say it again, embracing the suck and it will suck. And at the same time, that's the space where there's growth. And thank you for showing us, not just telling us, But embodying it and showing us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It is always a pleasure when we have a chance to talk. And, you know, I've said multiple times that your episode on my podcast is one of my absolute favorites. So I really enjoyed the opportunity to come on and talk to you and your audience.
0: Thank you.